want to welcome you again. I know Pastor Casey did, but I love saying it. Returning guests, welcome back. First time guests, welcome home. We are super excited you're here. You picked a great time to come. We have been in a series called Mentally Messed Up, and we're looking at mental health. And it, it, because it, it's prevalent in the world that we live. And I always think to myself, why in the heck is we as, would we as the church not talk about the things that are impacting you and I every day? We're impacted in this area. Me, I am personally, my family, I've got, you know friends too. You have family too. That they, they, there's, there's mental health issues. The world, they're not, they're not, they don't seem to be getting better in the world. Uh, can we agree? I mean, we've done a lot of research in this series. Anxiety's on the rise. Depression is on the rise. Suicide is on the rise. And I'm like, why aren't we talking about this? And that's why we're talking about this. And that's why we're doing a series all about it. So we're, we, we're in week four of a five-week series. And I'll tell you straight up, this week and next week are what I'm most excited about. And, and you're going to find out why today. But I'll, I'll recap. Some of you are new. Let me recap it real quick for you. And every one of these messages are on YouTube, our channel. You can subscribe and watch them all. But uh, week one, we looked at we, we're broken, right? Say I'm broken. You are, and I am too. We, we're broken. The world's broken. We're broken people. But we learned that our illness is not our identity. And that's a great truth to own. The next week, um, we looked at we all have a chemical makeup, right? We're all unique, all created in the thumbprint of God, but yet all unique in his image. And that's amazing. Now, we can't pick our chemical makeup. We can't pick the circumstances that maybe we've been around, but we do have a choice. Say, I have a choice. You do have a choice. You do have a choice. And we learn that we can choose to, to get help. Like, we can choose to get, take medication. If you take medication for anxiety or depression, it's okay. It ain't a sin to be sick. I do. And I'm not afraid to say it. I'll take all the help I can get to get where God wants me to go. And I struggle in that area. And I'm, I'm sick of the stigma. I'm, I don't want it anymore for us or for me or for you. It's okay. You can. It's okay to get counseling. I mean, we all, I think we all need counseling once in a while, don't we? I mean, it, it, that's okay. So that's what we looked at in week two. Week three, last week, we said we get well within relationships. Like, we get well together. And this is why our life groups, those are our small groups in the church, that's why they're so huge for us. Because we truly get well together. I'm so excited. So many of you signed up to get into a life group or even stepped into one last week. That is incredible. I was blown away by the, by the, um, the decisions that people made. Speaking of decisions, Casey, I know you celebrated two decisions for Christ. Can I tell you, since we launched this church 16 months ago, 142 people have given their lives to Jesus Christ in our church, and I'm, I, we so, we'll never stop celebrating that. I'll never stop celebrating life change. But what you need to know is so many other people who maybe didn't fill out a card or check a box, God's working in them. And many other people have done that same decision or they've taken a next step. God brought you here today, I'm telling you something, because he wants to do something in your life. And I'll tell you straight up, whether you believe in what I believe, or you believe in Jesus, or maybe you're skeptical, maybe you don't believe in God at all, I'm just excited that you're here. I am just proud of you for stepping into the, this arena. Let's watch what happens. That's all I'm saying. Let's watch what happens. We talk about relationships all the time. And of course, we're a church. I'm going to point you to a relationship with Jesus, because I'm sold out to that. But I'll tell you, that's, that relationship is frustrating too. That's not all glam and glitz, right? It's good, but it's a struggle. I mean, I'm a pastor, and I look at Scripture, and I get frustrated sometimes. One of the famous Scriptures that you might see when, you, when someone is new in Christ is 2 Corinthians 5.17. 
Like, those who, like, if you're in Christ, you're a new, uh, some, some translations say creature or a new person. The old person's gone, and the new person is here. So you're thinking, okay, that sounds really good. Like, because my old person, like me personally, my old self before Jesus, like, if you were to cut me off in traffic, I wouldn't want to run you off the road. That's me. That's what I want to do. But now I'm in Christ. I mean, now I'm a pastor, right? So today, say you cut me off in traffic, you know what I want to do? I still want to run you off the road. I, I, I'm like, God, what is the deal? I thought I was made new. And God's like, it's going to take you some time, Monty. It's going to take some time. So we are, you are a new person in Christ, but that process, that nature, because let's be honest, before, before, I'll say for me, before I was walking with Jesus, I learned how to live without him. And I have behaviors, and I have a mindset, and I have certain um, things that I've done to mold me in who I am. Those things don't just, I mean, it's not like, you know, all of a sudden, yesterday I was a complete jack wagon, and today I'm like, oh, yay, sunshine, lollipops, unicorn, whatever. You know, it's not like that. I love you, and I love you, and I love you. I mean, if someone's acting like that, you should probably have them drug tested. That's not normal, okay? That's normally not what happened. Say it's a process. It's a process. It is a process as we walk with Jesus. And uh, I mean, I wish there was a delete all. I wish there was a reset button where I give my life to Jesus and it's just all the past dysfunction's gone, all the clean slate, it's all, everything's been erased and it's new. But it doesn't work that way. But delete all is powerful, isn't it? It's liberating. You ever gone to your email and just hit delete all? It's power. Some of you need to do that too. I've seen your phones. Some of you have thousands and thousands of emails, that little red, that little red number. What's wrong with you? I mean, that's, that's crazy. Give me your phone. I'll delete, delete them for you. I have no problem doing that. I mean, it is liberating, but there's no delete all. It, 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 walking with Jesus is more like unsubscribing to emails, right? It's like one at a time, the slow grind. And I don't even know if that's a great illustration because I unsubscribe to emails and I, they keep coming. I, don't, I can't stop it. It's like the devil's in there. I don't get it. I think unsubscribe in the Greek literally means send me twice as many. Okay, that's great. I don't understand. Delete all. I want to delete all. <laughs> okay, this is, I don't know if this has anything to do with the message, but it's funny, okay? So just bear with me. It does have something to do with the message, but deleting all, I think about that, and I ran across a picture this week, and you know how people can have these medical bracelets? Like, they have a medical bracelet. It might say, you know, if they were to flop over on the floor, it says, I'm a diabetic, so, you know, feed me a cookie or whatever. Is that, is that what you do for a diabetic? Maybe that's not right. Maybe, maybe that's the exact opposite of what you, I don't even know. But you know what I'm saying. So I'm a diabetic or I have a bad heart and give me some nitro or something. It tells you what to do. It's a medical alert bracelet. Well, I'm, I, I, <laughs> this picture pops up and I'll show it to you. It says, if I flop over, delete my browsing history. I'm like, if this is your first concern about dropping over that someone's going to check your browser, I mean, you might have bigger issues, okay? I'm just saying. But if that's an issue, we'll walk with you in that too. I mean, we'll walk with you in whatever it takes. I just thought that was kind of funny. So anyway, so walking with Jesus, it's, we get it. It's a gradual unsubscribe, right? Um, my counselor, I, when I went to, I was in drug rehab, so welcome to Meadows, you know, we're, we're, none of us are okay. I was in rehab, and uh, I was like three weeks into a 30-day stint in rehab. And my, I'm, I'm, I'm messed up still, and, but I'm sober, and I'm like, gosh, I should be doing better by now, but I don't feel better. I'm a wreck. And my counselor looks at me, and he says, Monty, you didn't get the way you are overnight. And I was pretty messed up. And he says, you ain't going to get better overnight. And that is, that is really what, but that's with our mental state as well. This whole series, we've given you tools and, and, and suggestions from God's word of how we can get better. It's a process. But I'll tell you what, lean in today. Because what you're going to get in God's word today 
it is, it's the center. Like I've given you like little pieces and little nuggets and little just kind of teasers. This is it. You picked a good day to come to church because we know there are many different factors when it comes to our mental makeup, right? It's a physical thing. It's an emotional thing. It's circumstances that have happened. It's our history of things we've been through. All those things impact your mental state. But what we're looking at today, it is huge. It's the, big, it's the biggest part of it. I believe it with all my heart. So I'm going to take you to a scripture. 2 Corinthians, this is a book in the New Testament. The New Testament is after Jesus came to heaven as a child and after. The Old Testament is before that, before Christmas, if you will. So in the New Testament, a guy named Paul planted a lot, the, some of the first churches, right? And one of them was in a, in a, a place called Corinth like modern-day Greece, and that's where he planted it. So he's writing to them, and he's writing to you and I too. And this is what he says, and this is key for us today, because they were struggling mentally just like we struggle mentally. It's, it's 2,000 years ago, it was still happening, believe it or not. Listen to this. For though we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world wages war, okay? The weapons we fight with aren't weapons like the world's fighting with. On the contrary, Paul says, they have divine power, these weapons that we can fight with, to demolish strongholds. Say demolish. I mean, that's, not, that's a powerful word. Demolish strongholds. Well, what's a stronghold? I don't get it. A stronghold is, it's like your past behaviors. It's your, it's your dysfunctions. It's the things that you've done to get to where you are. It's, it's your mess-ups in your life. These are the strongholds that hold you back. And the strongholds, create um, symptoms like guilt, like shame. I don't know about you, but I felt those things in my life big time. In my addiction, I felt those heavily in my life. Guilt, shame, compulsions, those things, and they all lead to condemnation. So condemnation literally just means that I'm beating myself up. I feel horrible. I'm guilty. I'm a worthless person. I keep doing the things I don't want to do. You ever said that to yourself? Got mad at yourself? I'm so stupid. I keep doing the same stupid. I'm a horrible parent. I keep, I keep screwing up, but that, you're condemning yourself. You're, you're speaking words of condemnation. So the condemn means guilty. So condemnation is what that all brings. So back to the last verse, verse five. Paul writes, we demolish, there's the word again, arguments. And every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Jesus Christ. So what is he saying? The, our mental makeup is, is much, much bigger than your physical makeup, your emotional makeup, your circumstantial, your story. It's way bigger than that. In fact, what if, say what if, what if what we're chalking up as mental illness, and mental illness is very, very real. Do not hear me not say that. It's very real. But what if much of what we're chalking up as mental illness is actually a battle for your mind? What if it's a spiritual battle for your mind? What if we haven't even diagnosed ourselves correctly? This is huge. This is huge. We, see, we're in a battle. Tell two people around you, we're in a battle. Tell them, we're in a battle. They need to know. You got to help your neighbor. We're in a battle. We are in a battle. You know, and so we're going all, that's why I named it, let's get ready to rumble. Because, because yeah, because here's what's going to happen. Today, we're going into war together. Today we're going to defeat the devil together. Today we're going to get healing together. Today we're going to find hope together. Is anybody, let's get ready to rumble! I had to do it. I mean, you know I had to do that. So, but I'm not, we are, we are going in for war. I hope you're ready. Well, if you're not, it's okay. You will be, I promise you. The battle that I'm talking about though, 
You know where it's won or lost, don't you? Right there. It's won or lost in your mind almost every time. This is why the Bible talks so much about it. Proverbs 23, 7. Look at this. For, a man, for as a man thinks, say thinks, as he thinks, as he thinks in his heart, so is he. In other words, you don't do anything without first thinking of it. You don't. You might say, oh, I did that, didn't think about it. No, you did. It might have been subconsciously, but you thought about it. That, that, all behavior is driven from the way we think. I, I told a story months ago. Some of you would have maybe heard it, but, oh boy. I was in high school. Wasn't the brightest kid in high school. So me and a friend went out on a Friday night, and we thought, well, I don't know if we thought, but we did according to the scripture. We thought it'd be a good idea to go, on our country, go out on country roads and knock down some mailboxes. But, but not only that, we were, we were pretty smart kids. We, we took the mailboxes and shoved them in the backseat of the car. Like, okay, can I tell you something? That night didn't end well, okay? Two weeks later, me and my friend, guess where we were? We were in a, we were in a courtroom with our moms. Yeah, it was, it was great. We're standing there in front of the judge, looking at the judge, our heads are down. You know, here are these two 17-year-old, whatever kids, 16-year-old kids. And the judge, the judge is like, um, you know, what, what, what do you think, you know, what do you, what do you think compelled you or, or, yeah, compelled you to do what you did? And, I, and my first thought was, you mean besides the case of beer that we drank? That's, that was my first thought. I'm like, seriously, but I didn't say that because that could get us in more trouble. So uh, I, I said, you know, um, judge, we just weren't thinking. And he goes, Mr. Gannon, actually you were thinking, but you just weren't, you know, thinking properly or wisely. In other words, he basically said, no, no, you thought before you acted. You, you just thought wrong and you acted wrong. I was like, okay, that, it is what it is. But all behavior, say all behavior. All your behavior is from what, it stems from what you think. This is why Paul, the same Paul that wrote to Corinthians, wrote to a church in Rome. And in Romans, this is one of my favorite scriptures, Romans 12 too. Man, this is a powerful scripture. Don't conform, don't be like the world. Don't conform to the ways of the world. That's what Paul writes. The world, things aren't working out real well. I don't know if you've checked it out, but things don't seem to get well in the world. I've already told you where depression and anxiety and everything else is, is trending way up. The, out there, things aren't that good, okay? So don't be like that. Instead, Paul says, let God transform you by changing the way you what? Think. By changing the way you think. It's so crucial. Have you ever tried to change a behavior? but you haven't owned it in your mind, boy, that's frustrating. You, you try to change your thoughts, or you try to change your behavior without first, first changing how you think. That it, it, won't, it won't last, whatever you're doing, it won't last. You can't sustain it. It won't happen. That's why the first thing I would ask somebody, and I would ask us today, like in our mental messed up mind, do we truly want to get well? And maybe it's not mentally for you, maybe it's seriously physically or something else. Do you want to get well? And you might be thinking, of course I do. I mean, especially mental illness. You think I want to live with mental illness? Like, you think I signed up for this? And you're going to ask me if I want to get well? But I think Jesus would. I think Jesus would ask us that. Like, there are times, like last week, I shared three different scriptures. You can go, go back and listen. Two of them, I think, Jesus said to the person, and these are people that it's obvious what's wrong with them. Like, one guy walked up, he was blind. Well, Jesus knew it. One guy walked up and he was, he was, I don't know if he walked up, one guy was crippled, and then another guy, I think, was, um, had leprosy. So these people are, and they're begging Jesus, and, and, and they're coming up to Jesus, and Jesus would be straight up. He goes, well, what, what do you want me to do? And he, I don't think he was saying it in like a rude way. I mean, he's like asking. I think Jesus wanted them to own it. 
do you want to get well? Like, do you truly? See, we can learn to function in our dysfunction, can't we? Many people do. And we say, gosh, I, I got to get out of this hole. I got to get out of this dysfunction. I got to get out of this mess. I got to get out of this relationship. But you're so used to the relationship that you stay in it. Because it's scarier to get outside of it than it is to just stay in it and just keep up with the dysfunction. And this is why Jesus would say, what do you want me to do? I mean, I'm here. I'm Jesus. I'll do it. What do you want? Well, I, was a, I was a lifeguard when I was 21 years old. I was a lifeguard for a summer. Now, not because I was a good swimmer, okay? Don't, don't be thinking that. It's because the, the water park, the, the, the highest depth was four feet, okay? I can handle four feet. So I'm, I'm standing there lifeguarding, and a little kid walks up to me, and he wanted something. I didn't know what. Probably four or five years old. And he walks up, and he's all innocent looking, but distressed looking. And he looks at me, he's like this. And I'm like, you know, what do you need? What do you want me to do? And he reaches back, and he goes, poopy pants. And I said, you know... That's, that's, that's above my pay grade. We're not, no, no. I helped him. I mean, don't get me wrong. I was like, all right, I ain't, I ain't doing that, but I'll find, we'll find somebody. And he reaches up and tries to grab my hand. I'm like, no, 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 just grab my shorts. I'll, you know, I saw where your hand was. Um, but anyway, so he's like, what do you want me to do? Or I was like, what do you want me to do? Do you want to get well? I'm, I'm truly asking you, do you want to get well? Because if you truly want it, what, what, what God is going to show you today is going to position you for not only to get well, but to, to overcome and be victors like you've never been a victor before, I promise. Do you want to get well? Jesus would ask. And, and here's the key. If you want to get well, you need to know what's making you sick. Don't you? Don't you? I mean, don't you have to realize what, okay, if I'm sick, who or what is making me that way? Because if you don't know, we say it all the time in the church, you can't defeat what you can't define. If you don't define what's making you sick, you're not going to get well. I truly believe that Jesus wants to define something for us today. He wants to show us something that we, we overlook in the world that we live in. Because they, we think in terms of touch and feel and what's tangible and what I can see. But Jesus says you shouldn't even think that way. I'll show you one more scripture. Again, Paul's writing this to a church in Ephesus in that same region 2,000 years ago and to you and I today. Ephesians 6.12. Okay, lean in here. Listen to this. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. What? We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities in an unseen world. We're not talking make-believe. We're not talking Harry Potter. We're talking, this is the real deal. Against mighty powers in a dark world. Against evil spirits in heavenly places. You need to know who the enemy is. And it's the devil and the demons. Okay? And if, if we were to preach on this message or this series and never get to the spiritual aspect, I mean, it might, we might as well call this a club. Or a motivational speech. But it ain't church. See, we're in church, and I got, I got to show you wh wh who the enemy is. Because the last thing he wants is for me to show you that. That's the last thing the devil wants. He, John 8, says he is the father of lies. Everything that comes out of his mouth is total deception. Everything. Anytime he speaks, he can't speak truth. He doesn't. And he's always speaking to you. And the devil knows something. He knows that if he can get in your thoughts, he can change your life. In not a good way. He will control your life. He does it all the time. All the time he's been doing it. I put, he wants you to believe that you're nothing but a product of your past. That's one of the lies that he'll tell you. You are, you are who you were and you'll never be anybody else. 
You've always been sick. You've always struggled with mental illness and you'll never get out of that hole. That's what he'll tell you. You're a slave to sin. You sin right now and you'll, you'll always be a sinner. You'll always be a screw up. You'll never be a good parent. You'll never be a good student. You'll never be an overcomer. He lies all the time. You'll always have that behavior. You know, you'll always be in bondage to something. You know what God, here's what God knows though. God knows that we're not in bondage to like the behaviors or our habits, but we're in bondage to the lies that we're believing. So, so, so today, say today. Today, we will demolish the lies of the enemy and replace them with the truth of Jesus Christ. He's the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. This is truth. I love you too, too much not to tell you this. Jesus is truth. The devil's the opposite. He's a liar. And he's always telling us stuff. Just because you think something, Casey, doesn't mean it's true. Okay? I think I'm a good singer. But I think I seriously am a good singer. Like, my kids even tell me, Dad, you're such a good singer. Now, I don't know if they're lying to me because I'm their dad. But if they are, I'm cool with it. I like it. So I'm just kidding. You know? Yeah. So some of you are skeptical. I get it. I get it. I'll tell you, a few, a few weeks ago, we were thumbing through the TV and uh, the Oscars. We went across the Oscars and they're rolling out this piano and Bradley Cooper's coming out there with, with Lady Gaga, rah, 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 you know? You have to say that after you say Lady Gaga's name. That's just a rule, okay? Do that from now on. So Lady Gaga comes out with Bradley Cooper and they're gonna do this duet for the best song in a motion picture and they do it and I'm sitting there listening. I tell my kids, I said, kids, your dad could do better than that. I said, I can do, and Bradley Cooper's not even, he's an actor. I said, I could do better than that. And they're like, yeah, dad, you could, you could. And they start to kind of encourage me. And I'm like, yeah, I could. So I grab my microphone, AKA my remote control. Don't act like you've never sung into a remote control before you have. And so I grab my remote and I belt out a verse and my kids are like, dad, yeah, that was awesome. You're skeptical, aren't you? You're looking at me like, you don't believe that, do you? I guess sometimes we got to dispel the lies and replace them with the truth, and so I got to prove it, okay? Anytime I start to sing up here, the worship, the worship team has told me, Monty, don't you ever sing. They say, Monty, you want to kill the church? Sing. Whatever. Sometimes I just do my own thing. You ready? Tell me something, church. Are you happy in this modern world? Or do you need more? Is there something more you're searching for? God's calling in all your bad times he's there for you and you're longing for change and all the good times he has for you i'm on the deep end okay that's enough of that so anyway so sometimes i take it too far yeah say hey see sarah we need to talk i don't know where he is our worship leader so you will never see me on the worship team praise jesus um the whole point we are in a battle, and the devil is a liar, and, and he's been doing it from the beginning, you guys. His, his, his playbook is very, very simple. It's very simple. You can look at Adam and Eve and how he deceived Eve in the garden, and then Adam. He started with deception and lies, and Paul knew it. Paul told the church in Corinth, this is what's crazy. Listen to this one verse, 2 Corinthians eleven three. 3. Paul says, I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, just as Eve was deceived by the devil, your minds, notice he says minds, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Jesus Christ. Paul knew, Paul knows that the devil can mess with our minds just like he did from the beginning. And if you remember nothing else today, nothing else, 
besides me singing and this next thing I'm going to tell you, it's this. To win the battle within you, you need the Holy Spirit inside you. Okay? To win the battle within you, you need the Holy Spirit inside you. What do you mean, Pastor? What do you mean, Holy Spirit inside me? Okay, I mean Jesus. Jesus Christ is what I mean. Jesus, when he walked the earth, he did amazing things. And he died on a cross for you and I to save us from our sins, save us from ourselves. He rose from the dead three days later. And after he hung out for a while with his friends and family, he rose up into heaven and sent something. He said better. He sent his Holy Spirit. So now Jesus isn't just like with us. He can be in us. So it's literally Christ in you. And this is, because I'll be straight up with you. <clears throat> I could, we could preach about what I, I, the first three messages, they're all Bible-based messages. They're all incredible. But if we never get to this part, <clears throat> I'm just here to tell you, um, an, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> an atheist could have, could have heard a message about me talking about, um, what is it, relationships? And they, if they jump in a relationship with somebody, they could find healing in that, right? We get well within relationships. <clears throat> a Muslim, a Muslim could take medication for their, for their anxiety or their depression, and they could find some healing in that. Someone who's walked away from their faith and, and denounced Christianity or whatever, they got hurt and left, they could, I mean, they could get counseling, and they could find healing and counseling. But I'm telling you, if we never get to the crux of what the issue, uh, if we never get to this aspect of the spiritual battle, I'm telling you, the battle we're facing is way bigger than what we see. It's way bigger if we never get, this is like me taking Jake, my son, we went to the acute care, he had an ear infection this week. So we go to acute care, and they look in his ear, and they're like, oh yeah, we can see that it's swollen, it's infected. So, I mean, the doctor could have said, Jake, well, infections come when your immune system is down, so we need to build up your immune system to get you healthier. Jake, drink more water, that'll get you more healthy. Now, is that going to help his health? Yeah, drinking more water is great. Okay, Jake, you know what else we're going to do? You need more sleep. Sleep is good. We're going to get you a good eight hours instead of whatever you've been getting. Jake sleeps more. Is he going to get better? Well, yeah, that's going to improve his health. Jake, you need to eat better, okay? You know, instead of eating Sour Patch Kids for supper, let's, let's actually have a meal, okay? Uh, let's try that. And Jake does that. Are those things going to improve Jake's health? Yes. Will they, will they take out the crux of the problem? Probably not. The crux of the problem was here. So he needs the medicine right for there to go to the crux. This is what I'm talking about. Jesus Christ is the medicine. The Holy Spirit is the medicine. If I were to talk about other things and other methods, methods which I use, I see a counselor. I take medication. I don't care who knows it. Dude, I'll do what, but I want to do whatever it takes. I want every weapon in my bag. I want to do everything I can. I want all the arsenal to go after. But if, if someone sends me into battle with all that, but they don't tell me about the most powerful thing in the world, I'm screwed. I'm telling you, apart from the Holy Spirit, you have no chance. I love you too much not to tell you that. Be like sending you into battle with nothing, no armor, no nothing, no weapons, and the arrows are firing at you. I just know it's a matter of time before you die. This is so key. You can, we can't win the battle on our own strength. We can't win the battle on our own will. We can't do it. The world, remember what he said. Second Corinthians, again, for though we live in the world, we don't wage wars, the world wages war. The weapons we fight with aren't the weapons of the world. Divine power, say divine. That means godly. 
That means spiritually, spiritual. To, to demolish strongholds, it's Jesus Christ. He's the medicine. And how we get Jesus is through his Holy Spirit when we call on his name and we surrender our life to him. I'm not just talking about believing, okay? The demons believe in Jesus. The devil, the devil probably believes in, in Jesus more than you do and I do. He's, the devil's never doubted the existence of Jesus. Let me just say that. Never. It is about surrender. Calling on the name of the Lord. Take this dysfunction. Take this group. Take this. Man, I, I remember when I was in, when I got out of rehab the first time, I was going through the 12 steps of recovery. Some of you might be familiar with those. Well, step five is confession. It's really a confession. I don't know if anybody grew up Catholic. I grew up Catholic. So in the Catholic church, you go to confession and you confess your sins to the priest. I remember in grade school, we'd go and we'd line up. It'd just be like in the movies where you go to the confessional and, you know, they open the screen and, you know, you, you, I change my voice so he doesn't know it's me, whatever. I don't know. I don't think that worked. But, <laughs> and I would always, and the kids would line up to go to confessional and I'd always line up behind the bad kid. You know, the kid that always got in trouble. Because I know that after he's done, Anything I say is going to look good, right? That's just what I did. But to come to think about it, a lot of kids lined up behind me. But that's a whole other story. So anyway, so um, my point is, step five of the 12 steps, it's confession. So you write down all the stuff that's been done or that's been done to you, and then you just confess it out loud because there's power in confession. We'll talk about that next week. So I'm in the fifth step, and I'm frustrated, you guys. I, I, I'm, I'm just like a divided human being, just like... I don't know if you've ever been to a place where you want something, you want something better in your life, but you don't see any way it's going to happen. In fact, you want something better, but you keep doing something to sabotage what you want. I've been there. It's like, God, I don't want to keep hurting my family, and I don't want to keep losing my temper, and then you lose your temper. It's like, what? I, I just, I don't, why am I doing what I don't want to do? I don't know if you've been there. God, I want to quit looking at pornography. It's killing me. It's destroying my life. It's destroying my marriage. It's destroying my family. And then you go look at porn. It's like, what? It, that's bondage. That's what that is. That is called slavery. And I'm telling you something. I, if you're doing that, you're, I ain't judging you. I'm telling you that. I've been there. I remember telling the guy I did a fifth step with, I told him straight up. I've never been in such bondage in my life, so miserable. I remember literally being on my knees in my closet, having drugs in my hand. And I remember, I've never, oh, I've had, I've had some miserable moments, just like you probably have. This is one of them. And I, I remember telling God, 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 I would literally give anything. I would give anything. Like you're God, you're big and you're powerful and you love me, I don't want to live this way anymore. I cannot do this anymore. Take this from me. I'm begging you. I'm dying. I was literally dying. Destroying people. Destroying my family. Miserable. And you know what the most miserable part of that day was? I knew I had no choice. I told him. I think I said it sarcastically too. I said, God, but I don't have a choice, do I? I don't have a freaking choice, do I? miserable. And I had to do it. There's no choice. Flush them out of the toilet. You don't get it then. There ain't no choice. The flushing them isn't a choice. Okay? That's bondage. That's slavery. Slavery is when you're put in a position that you don't want to be in and you can't get out. 
that was me. Yeah, he'll make a way. Amen to that. And he did. I couldn't. I could not. And the guy that I did the fifth step with, here's what he said, Monty. Have you ever read Romans 7? Guess who from? Paul. I said, no. He had me read Romans 7. And I, I read it and I bawled. I never, I, never, I never thought the Bible understood dysfunction. I never thought the Bible understood mental illness. I never thought the Bible understood um, oppression or addiction. Romans 7, Paul, who's a Christian at this time, listen to this, verse 18. I know nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I'm doing it anyway. I was just like sobbing. I'm like, I just told you this. But if, I, but if I do what I don't want to do, am I not really the one doing it? Or is it the sin living in me that's doing it? He says, I've discovered a principle in life, Paul did. And I was discovering the same principle this day. That when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do the wrong thing. I love God and His law with all my heart. But listen to what he says. But there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. That is what this is all about. There is another power, a power you don't see that is at war with your mind. This power makes me a slave, remember slavery, to sin that still is within me. What a miserable person I am, Paul says. Who will free me? Who will free me from this life dominated by sin, dominated by death? He cries out just like I did on my closet, on my knees. And then you got to keep reading because the next verse is the answer, isn't it? Romans 7, 25. Thank God. Say thank God. Thank God that the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. See, the world can provide temporary relief but it cannot provide true freedom. Only Jesus Christ can give you that. He only can. Just Him. Just you, Jesus. Nobody else can. Now I'll use other things to get me where Jesus wants me to go. Counseling, medication. We've learned that in this series. But if we don't have the number one thing that's going to release us from our bondage, we're dead. To win the battle within you, you need the Holy Spirit inside you. Bottom line. But yet I get there's people in different places in this place. Some believe, some don't, some skeptical, some not. God loves every one of you. God is drawing you in. God wants to reveal himself to you. Listen to what Paul says next in Romans 8. So now there's no condemnation for those that belong to Christ Jesus. No condemnation. Remember what I said your addiction is doing, your mental illness is doing, your dysfunction is doing, your crazy is doing, it's condemning you. You'll always be this way. You'll always hurt others. You'll always pick a bad boyfriend or a bad girlfriend. You'll never have a good marriage. You'll never find anybody in life. You'll never do this. You'll never condemn, 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 condemn. That's what it will do. That's what, the, that's what the evil spirit will do. What God does, when you call on the name of the Lord and the Holy Spirit enters you, something supernatural happens. Number one, you're saved, right? Heaven is your home. Number two, God looks at you way differently. 
You might not look at yourself differently. You might look in the mirror and still, still seem the same person that you've always seen. God don't. When the Holy Spirit's in you, you know what God sees? He don't see the guilt of your abortion. He doesn't see the guilt of your addiction. He doesn't see the guilt of your porn. He doesn't see the guilt of your, your anger or your rage or your lies. He doesn't see that guilt anymore. The alcohol, he doesn't see it. All he sees when he looks at you with the Holy Spirit in you is the righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ. That's all he sees. That's all he sees. It, it's, it's crazy. I love God's word. And I'm gonna close out. I read that was Romans 8, 1 is no condemnation. I'm gonna give you six more verses. I'm just gonna keep reading Romans 8. Sometimes I'll, I'll stand up here and I'll give you a gospel presentation, tell you about Jesus, died for you, rose from you, rose for you, defeated sin and death for you. That's awesome. That's why we're here. Today I'm gonna read it right out of God's word because it's right in Romans. Paul continues to write. This is Romans 8, 2. And because you belong to him, to Jesus, the power of a life-giving spirit has freed you. Just, just own that. I mean, if I read nothing else, has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses is unable to save you. The Ten Commandments can't save you. Can't keep them for one thing. And even if you could keep them, they can't save you. They don't have that power. They're there to point you to the Savior. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son, Jesus, in a body, just like you and I, in bodies like we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving us his son as a sacrifice for our sins. This is why the spirit in you changes everything. Everything. Verse 4, he did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied. The debt would be paid. The debt for sin would be paid. Would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Last two verses. Those who are dominated, that was me, by sinful nature, think about sinful things. People will say, just don't do it, just don't do it. I mean, the more you tell me not to do it, the more I want to do it. I'm getting just... It's, it dominates you. You've got to replace the lies with the truth. If you don't replace your behavior or your dysfunction with something that's healthy, you're just going to leave a hole that you'll eventually fill with something unhealthy. You have to replace it. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, think about the things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. And here's the last sentence. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and it leads to peace notice that's the exact opposite of what our mentally messed up minds lead to they lead to destruction and dumb decisions and, and not peace but war and strife and struggle but the spirit leads to the opposite that's why for some of you today you're going to call on the name of the lord and you're going to ask his holy spirit to come into you and set you free uh, uh, take your sins away and forgive you and make you new it doesn't mean that you're gonna, it's gonna be sunshine and lollipops the next day. It does mean that Jesus Christ or the Holy, or God will look at you differently through the lens of the Holy Spirit and see you differently. And it does mean you have the power in you. To see, that's the difference right there. And we don't understand God's power sometimes. I know I don't. But I'm here to tell you something. The Holy Spirit is, is, is Jesus' strength. That is Jesus' power. Then you have Jesus' authority. 
in you. So then you no longer need to ask for it. All you need to do then when you have it in you is access it and believe that greater is he that is in you than he who is in the world. Greater is he. The devil. Screw you, devil. Straight from Metal Church. We'll tell him that. I've never been politically correct, and that probably won't change. I'm just saying. Screw you. We'll talk more about how we talk to the devil next week. Is he real? Yeah. Is he deceitful? I think we've agreed, yes. Is he, is he, is he a roaring lion? No. The Bible says he prowls around like a roaring lion. Deceitful. Smoke and mirrors. Look how powerful I am. That's what he says to you. Look how big I am. You know what? The only thing big on the devil is his mouth because he's been defeated. So we're no longer fighting for victory. We are now fighting from victory and the best is yet to come. Give God some praise in this place if you believe it today. I believe it and I will declare it and we will live in it. You are a victor. You are more than a conqueror. That's what the Bible says about you. Start owning it. Do you want to get well? I do. You will not do it without the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're not ready for that today. Keep coming back. I will keep, we will keep loving you and walking with you. Man, but I hope some of you, you're ready to call in the name of the Lord. Make the decision. Let us pray with you. Let us pray for you. I promise you, it will be the best decision you will ever make. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for your spirit. Thank you so much for your truth. Thank you so much for second chances. Thank you so much for every person in this place today. If anything else, God, I pray right now they feel your presence. And they know that you love them. They know that you're not mad at them. They know that you're drawing them in. They know that you're not looking at them in condemnation, but looking at them in love and praying that they'll take a next step towards you. Because this is what I've learned in my walk. I may not be who I want to be, but I'm not who I used to be. And, and, and God, the closer that we seem to get to you, I know that the more that you'll change our life. So God, I pray that everybody here will do whatever you're asking them to do, step into your Holy Spirit power, and start living their life as victors, because that's who they are in you. In Jesus' name I pray, and everybody says, amen.